Today's JJ Rick podcast is brought to you by Belvedere Vodka. Produced in one of the world's longest running distilleries, Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all natural vodka. Crafted by a collective of master distillers, Belvedere is made with non GMO Polish rye, pure water, and no additives. Recognized for quality, Belvedere was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Enjoy a delicious summer cocktail with Beverly Vodka today, and remember to always drink responsibly. By the way, I'm earlier today, I was trying to explain to my two-year-old that I had to go record a podcast, and he's like, what's up? What are you doing, Dad? What are you doing, Dad? And I'm like, I have to go do a podcast. He goes, podcast, Dad? Podcast? So I p- pulled up our last mailbag, one that I did, and this was like the lead-off to that. This was oh, the yeah, first yeah. read, and I'm, I'm like, it's my voice, clearly. And I'm like, Kai, I'm like, what? who is that? Who is that talking? He goes, a man. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Does it sound like daddy? He goes, no. I was like, oh, shit. Welcome to this week's episode of the JJ Reddick Podcast. We have a great guest for you today. Uh, first round pick of the Orlando Magic, Mo Bamba. Mo and I recorded this conversation in Dumbo, Brooklyn, in my neighborhood. And uh, it was a lot of fun. We're going to get right to the con- convo as we cover a lot of stuff. start this off with a, a little a little story this is uh this is nonfiction. i did not make this story up <laughs> and um i would love for any listeners to comment about what you think of the story any possibilities possible outcomes um so yesterday i had a uh, <clears throat> i had a photo shoot do you mo do you read or or, or use mrporter.com have you ever heard of it no it's like an online uh men's website it's a sort of a lifestyle brand. They, you know, you can sell or buy, buy clothing, home items, watches, everything. <clears throat> so they do like a journal. So I did a photo shoot for them yesterday, um, September issue, September 25th. Um, and at the end of the shoot, they had set up a driver for me. So we come downstairs out of the apartment we were shooting at in Chelsea and I knock on the door and the guy kind of leans out and he's like, uh, are you JJ Reddick? And I'm like, yeah. So he, um, I'm like, hey, I got to put my bag and they had given me a gift. So I got to put my bag and, and stuff in the back. So he's like, all right. So he gets out of the car, he opens the trunk. And as I'm like leaning in to put my bag in there and Kylie, my sister-in-law and my wife, Kylie's twin is my wife. Uh, the three of us were like in the back. And so I, I put my stuff in the back, Kylie put her stuff in the back. And I was like, oh, it smells kind of weird. It wasn't like a bad smell. Like it didn't smell like dog food or dog shit. It was just like a weird smell. Mm. And at the time, I didn't think anything of it. So get in the car. We get from Chelsea to like 
financial district. Yeah. We're on the corner of Murray and Broadway, and Chelsea or Kylie is in the back seat. It's a it's a bucket seat Escalade with the long wheelbase or the big trunk. Mm. And Kylie taps me on the shoulder. I turn around, and she's like pale as a ghost, and she's like, "There's a person in the back." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "What? There's a body in the back?" And she's like, "No, there's a person in the back." So I glance over my shoulder and sh- there's a there's like a blanket like a big blanket and a cage or box I'm not really sure because the blanket was covering it and then there's like clearly something underneath the blanket yeah. at this point it hadn't moved yet and uh, so Kylie's like sir can you please pull over so he pulled over on the corner there and we jumped out of the car immediately <laughs> and Chelsea's kind of like doesn't know what's going on she's like you know what's happening and and I'm like sir as I was getting in the car, I noticed the blanket was moving. So I'm like, sir, you have something in, in the trunk of your car. Do you know what that is? Is there something in your trunk of your car? And he's like, no, no, I don't have anything back here. And I say, well, can I get my stuff out? So he pops the trunk and I like kind of as fast as I can, because it's New York City. You don't know, like, I've seen this blanket move. I don't know what this is. Is it a, is it a python? Huh. Is it a robber? <laughs> like, I don't know. So I grab my bag and coat and I grab Kylie's bag and like kind of throw it on the sidewalk and jump back on the sidewalk. So the car is, is like facing, um, you know, going directionally, like, you know, sort of perpendicular to us. And I'm like, sir, there, there, I think there's a person in your back seat. And so he lifts the blanket up, but like towards the window so that the blanket is facing up. So we couldn't see because we were on the sidewalk, perpendicular to the car, not behind the car. And he's like, no, there's, there's nothing in here. There's nothing in here. And he closes the blanket back. And then he closes the trunk. And as he's like walking around to the front seat, a head pops up. <laughs> it's the, no, this is not funny. There's, there's a back of a female's head. It's, she's blonde hair. There's a ponytail. And based on the size of the box or cage that this person is in, it's like either like a very small human or a child. And I'm like, we all saw it, right? <laughs> so he drives off. And then Kylie now at this point is like, I'm like, are you sure? Was that a dog? Was that a dog with very, like a very furry tail? Like what? <laughs> and she's like, no. When The reason I said there was a person is because I, I saw movement in the, my peripheral in my, out of my right eye. So I turned around and the blanket was moving. So when I looked back, like half of a human face came out of the blanket. I saw a woman's eyes, woman's face, woman's blonde hair, <laughs> right? So we're like, all right. So we got in, we get in a cab and, and we, thank God this didn't happen on the middle of the Brooklyn Bridge in, in five o'clock traffic. We're like, we're stuck there for 15 minutes in silence knowing there's a body behind us. <laughs> so... Like we, I called the first. I called the car agency, and they acted like they didn't know what I was talking about. Then we called the police, and we haven't heard back from the police. The car agency wrote an email saying that um, they've suspended the driver because um, we canceled the ride because there was someone in his front seat, which is not what we said. Mm. I was very explicit that he was harboring some sort of female <laughs> under a blanket in a cage or box in his trunk. So possible sort of scenarios here. I think best case for everyone involved is that um, 
maybe his sister or his cousin or maybe a girlfriend or wife needed a ride across town. It was bring your kid to work. And he, they didn't want to pay for an Uber or a taxi, <laughs> right? That's probably best case scenario. <laughs> Uh, and then you can, you, from there you go darker, you know, <laughs> and this is not funny, but like child abduction, human trafficking, like Chelsea's dead serious texting me today. And she's like, I'm calling the FBI tip line and I'm opening a claim. This is serious. And I mean, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, it definitely was not a dog. I will say that it was a human being in the backseat of his car under a blanket in some sort of box or cage. That's my story. <laughs> this was yesterday. This was less than 24 hours ago. I mean, I, I, I've told the story now like three or four times, and I still like, I'm, I got like goosebumps on my hair. It, it was disturbing. Anyways. Well, that's New, uh, York. That's New York for you. <laughs> this is, this is going to be a fun episode. We've got uh, Mo Bamba, currently of the Orlando Magic, sixth pick in the NBA draft. Uh, back in June, spent one year at University of Texas, mm -hmm. grew up in Harlem, yep. though you did not attend high school in New York City. Didn't. I did about Yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you yeah. about this. Um, so you spent some of the summer training with, with Joe, right? Uh, with Joe, Joe Embiid? Well, yes, but no. Okay. Uh, he, was, uh, he was just coming out to L.A. when I was leaving L.A. to start okay. like my individual workouts. And uh, there was, uh, there was a, a, an internet video that went viral. I think. Was it you that he dunked on and uh, it said, welcome to the NBA? No, nah, that wasn't me. That was somebody else. Huh? <laughs> no, I'm it's pretty sure of, it was you. It's a lot of different, it's a lot of different kids out here <laughs> walking around looking like me. But, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> we, you're, 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 yeah, it's terrible. We, we talk about this. It always comes up. Like, we're always like, you're, you're, you're like one play away from getting gift, from just becoming some internet meme. Yeah. I'm even cognizant now of like, this is some advice for you, by the way. I'm even cognizant now of my facial expressions on the bench hmm. because like of the Alonzo morning gif, that's a great one. The Costa, Costa's Kufos from this past year, that was another good one. Um, just be cognizant of like staring off into the distance, yeah. <laughs> laughing, uh, <laughs> shaking your head in disbelief. <laughs> Try to avoid all of those things on the bench. It's actually funny that you say that because whenever someone gets dunked on and the opposing benches, they always look for their reaction. Right. And they're always just like... That's the first thing. <laughs> you you got to be kind of... Oh! Yeah. <laughs> it's always like... Somebody always inevitably stands up. Yeah. You've been a pro, essentially, for you know roughly six weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, going back to the sort of pre-draft process, as you've sort of reflected on that at all... Um, did you learn anything? Did you learn anything about yourself? Did you learn anything about the NBA? Mm -hmm. um, I just learned a lot about what goes into it, to be honest. Um, my pre-draft was nothing short of, of spectacular simply because of the gains that I made as, as not only a player, but as a person. Like, I've learned so much about just like, you know, the game and the spacing and, you know, the pace of it. And you don't always want to go 100% speed. Sometimes you want to slow it down to about 50 and then quick burst to about 75. And I learned a lot about it. Do you feel like, uh, as you were sort of doing the interview process with mm -hmm. teams, mm -hmm. did you feel like teams were playing games with you, like you were being misled one way? Or yeah. maybe oh, yeah. you were doing a little bit of gamesmanship too? No. So, because uh, there, there, yeah. there was reported <laughs> that you said to Memphis, like, uh, I'm not coming. I'm not, I'm not going to come work out for yeah. you. I'm not going to give you physical. 
Well, it wasn't quite as disrespectful as that. Okay. Oftentimes right. when like guys don't, you know, submit their medicals or, you know, they refuse to work out for a team, it's looked at as just like, oh, this like prima donna jerk. Like, why wouldn't he want to work? Why wouldn't he want to play for any organization? But to me, it was more so about fit than going as high as possible. And where I landed in Orlando is probably one of the best case scenarios for yeah. myself. I, I always find it fascinating. Like everybody always talks about sort of <clears throat> this scenario, you know, where I don't, I don't, this team's picking seventh. I'm in the seven to 10 range. Yeah. I don't want to end up there. Yeah. But no one ever talks about you're a lottery pick. You're going to be a lottery pick. Mm -hmm. But maybe like the best fit is at like 26. Mm. You know, was there, like for me, I remember watching the the playoffs in 06 so yeah. this was like two months before the draft and thinking to myself like god if i could end up on the phoenix suns mm. and play for mike d'antoni <laughs> 13 years later still hasn't happened um, <laughs> but <laughs> but like that that was like sort of my thing and like it just wasn't a possibility was there was there any teams like you can say this because you're not dogging any teams but mm -hmm. was there any teams that were like way ahead of where you projected that you were like ah that'd be nice to play for um there were there were a couple of organizations where it was just like, oh, it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see if it wasn't more so like if I'd fall back into whatever pick they had. It was more so like, what, what, what are they willing to do to, to get me? Are they willing to trade up? Are they willing to, you know, how interested right. are they in me? And um, as time went on, you know, teams really tried, but I didn't really understand the logistics of it. I still to this day don't. I think that's something that uh, I'd have to learn down the road. Well, I think one of the transitions when you get done with college mm -hmm. and you become a professional is that you're actually allowed to work on your game. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's actually hard when you're a college student, people don't realize this, but it's actually hard to sort of like work with your coaches yeah. and find the time and not be in study hall or not be in class. Yeah. And um, like, have you found that to be sort of exciting? You know, you're now able to just go to the gym and literally just work on your game, work on your body. Yeah, and that's one thing that people don't really understand that, that are on the outside looking in. Like they see like you're on a college campus and you have a gym right there, but there's a lot of stuff you have to do day right. to day. Like, I mean, you've been in college way longer than I was. And like, it's there's a lot of stuff between study hall, between meeting with different teachers, meeting with different professors. You know, it's, it's hard. But I think to answer your question from earlier, the best thing about pre-draft is like, you, you're literally, I've literally learned how to become a pro. And how to like how to get into my own regimen of training and and better myself as an athlete. Do you have an idea yet? Because it took me like four or five years to really figure it out in terms of having that structure in place. Mm. But have you thought about, or do you have sort of a general outline of sort of the structure you want to have in place for like this is what I'm going to do on a practice day. This mm -hmm. is what I'm going to do on a game day. I mean, you haven't experienced it yet. But yeah. Have you started to think about these ideas? Uh, I have not, actually. Um, and that's something that I'm probably going to get with the coaches and get with uh, other players to see what, they, see what they've been doing. Um, one person that's been really helpful in just like kind of laying out what my rookie season is going to look like, um, minus a few things, was, is uh, John Isaac. Okay. He's a guy who's always around, who's always, I can call him literally right now, he'll pick up and we can just chop it up all day about like what to expect and you know what are different like you know pitfalls that I shouldn't you know what to what to not do what to look out right. for and different things and we our team is just so unique because we're we're a young team but we have like guys who are like in that like our oldest guy is, is probably DJ he's 32 which right. isn't old at all 
Right. Um, and then we have like this range of guys who are like in that 27 to 30 range or 26 to 30 range. We don't really have much guys in between 23 and 26. And then we have all the guys who are like 20 to young. 20. Yeah, yeah. we're like young. So it's uh, yeah, you're, pretty you can now make an argument there. that Nick Vucevic is a veteran, <laughs> 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 which is crazy. <laughs> Because I think my my seventh year, I was yeah. one of the older guys on the team my last year yeah. in Orlando, and Nick was had just gotten traded after his rookie year in Philly, and he was like, it was his second year yeah. in the league, and he's now, he's not an old head. Yeah. But I mean, he's, you're he's you're, a vet. you're just old, man. I don't know what to tell you. You're just you're just old. I've had a, I've had a hard time this summer grappling with the fact that I'm 34. It just it just sounds shitty, you know. <laughs> You can still make an uh, argument at 33 that you're, like, not in your mid-30s. You know what I mean? Like, mathematically speaking. But yeah. now, 34 is mid-30s. You're in there. You're, I'm in there. You're, you're in there. I'm in there. Have you spent any time? I spent five seasons with with uh, with Cliff, with Steve Clifford. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, our head assistant when I was with Stan. Um, have you had a chance to, to spend any time with him? Oh, yeah. I spent a lot of time with uh, Coach Cliff and... He's an awesome dude, and I just love the way how he was like fully transparent from day one of how he, how he envisioned me being in his on his team. Um, you know, we sat down at various dinners. We, he even gave me like a like a quiz. Believe it or not, I thought right. I was done with school, but uh, <laughs> Coach Cliff, he, uh, I think he used to teach back in the day. Yeah, he, he was. He was a high was school a teacher, teacher, and he. Yeah. Back Literally. when they had corporal punishment, <laughs> just smack the kids with rulers. Hey, come on, don't, don't, come on, man. That's my coach. <laughs> but um, he he gave me this quiz, and he was just giving me like different. Um, there's one thing coach is really big on this uh, the terminology. He wants he wants the whole team to be speaking the same language. That way, it mitigates any confusion. What's going on out there on the on the floor? And um, it was just like this. It's the simplest things to him, but it took me like a little. It took me about two to three days in summer league to like really learn like the, our drop. It only, it only took two to three days. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, no, I, this is I think to me, especially for a big, yeah, th- like the biggest challenge. Yeah. So like your position now, like in the modern NBA, yeah. the five is sort of the defensive anchor. Yeah, and really the like the best guy at that, you know. In sort of in this transition into the into the modern NBA and modern mm-hmm. NBA defense mm-hmm. was was KG yeah because he was so vocal yeah he knew all the coverages he knew all the calls yep. I mean the best defensive bigs I've played with aren't mm-hmm. necessarily like the greatest one on one defenders or greatest shot blockers yeah. they're the guys that are the most vocal on team under- defense yeah, yeah exactly yeah exactly that's a I mean no offense man but that's that's a huge responsibility yeah. I'd say well I don't really. Haven't still haven't played my first sure. NBA game, but as far as like what I've learned from summer league and you know hearing from different people, I think like playing team defense at this level as a five man is is a lot simplified because at, at at Texas like I was trying to our our um the way how we'd guard ball screens was we would try to blow it up and just have the big be there as long as he needed to, yeah. and then get back to yours. And uh, it was just so much responsibility between communicating to the guard. Um, staying as long as you needed to, making sure he doesn't get downhill. And now you're just in the drop coverage where you don't have to worry about the guy coming off the ball screen and you're just making sure um, the roller doesn't get right. below you. And I think the biggest thing in that coverage for the five, yeah. and not like when I first got in the league, like teams were still showing with like hedging or yeah, yeah. What, what did you just call it? You, uh, drop coverage. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, the one before that where you're like on uh, the ball. Blow it up. Yeah. You blow it up, yeah. And so blowing it up, right. So. Like when I got first got in the league, like fours were still doing that. And yeah. most fours now, 
you know, for the most part are in a drop as well. Yeah. Or, you know, in the last two years, really, like now, everybody pretty much just switches everything. Yeah, like I was, I was, I was, I went to uh, some of the Black Op run, runs yesterday, and Melo was like, like, you can just drop it, <laughs> just drop it. And I was like, all right, it's let's do it, it. It's, it's totally different. Yeah. Um, this whole, like, notion of, like, the modern NBA 5, yeah. um, it's one of the things that I think is so attractive about a player like you, mm-hmm. um, Jaron Jackson, um, you know, going back, Carl Anthony Towns, mm-hmm. Porzingis, mm-hmm. he's kind of maybe a four. Yeah. JoJo yeah. Um, is just this, like, you know, we've talked about on the pod before, but, like, this unicorn uh, notion and, like, being able to do all these different skills. Yeah. Um, like, I'm curious, in, in like, 10 years, because the league changes, but, like, in 10 years, like, if, if all pans out well for you, what does, what does a, like, a 29-year-old Mo <laughs> Bamba in his prime, like, what does that skill set look like? Oh man, it looks. Are you running pick and rolls like as the ball handler? <laughs> Honestly, I, people won't believe me when I say this, but in my early AAU days, well, I wouldn't say early. In my mid AAU days, I played um on a sixteen under team, and our point guard went down, and I was literally bringing the ball up the floor. So, twenty nine year old Mobamba may be bringing the, the ball up the floor, <laughs> calling plays. But honestly, I don't. I, I to me, it's the the future is just so. It's so distant to me, and I'm just worried about the now. You know, oftentimes you get, I, oftentimes early on in my, when I really came on a scene as as a national name and a national prospect as a high schooler, the word that was tossed around with me was was potential. Yeah, it's potential, 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 and it, it got to a point where I hated potential because it really meant like you you had the skills and you embodied like the different you know characteristics as an elite basketball player, but you weren't really getting out there, you weren't really producing. And one thing that I really took pride on um, going into like the end of my high school career for AAU and, and for college was, was production, turning that potential into production. And as coaches, I really used our coaches as the bridge between the potential and the production. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. And as someone who's never been called uh, a player with potential. Yeah. I've never actually thought about that. <laughs> like how that could actually be like a negative thing. And it, it actually makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I love the way you said it, like turning potential yeah. into productivity. Exactly. Um, what, so in terms of productivity, hmm. like what are sort of your expectations for your rookie year? Um, you know, it's it's funny that that you asked this because you know if you would ask this three months ago in pre-draft, I would have just been, you know, just this and that, and that and that. But you know, as time goes on, I just, honestly, what I want to do is is win. Yeah. Uh, and this is just it's not only for me; it's for it's for the city of Orlando. You know, those those guys down there are crazy about me, and they really believe in me. And one thing that I can do right away that to show my appreciation to the city and to our our organization is is win, do whatever I do whatever I can do to win. But um, obviously, there's there's definitely individual goals that I have for myself um, as far as you know being being the best version of me. And the best version of me is 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 uh you know is, is greatness. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, I mean is, that's is, yeah. Yeah. I, 
that, it, I'm glad you you answered that question that way. Mm-hmm. I was trying to trap you, and you didn't fall for it. <laughs> Dang it. Um, no, because I think, look, I, like, production-wise, like, I stopped setting those sort of goals yeah. for myself. And I can go back to college or, you know, even my rookie year, I remember having a conversation with my agent at the time. Mm. And, like, I, I'm like, dude, Greg, like, I'm an average – I'm gonna average like 18 a game, and we're gonna make playoffs. Hmm. And um, this I was averaged, you as a rookie. Yeah, this is like before my rookie year, yeah. and I averaged uh, 14 minutes per game, game. <laughs> <laughs> and had almost as many uh, DNPs in a suit <laughs> behind the bench as games played. Uh, and it still took me like probably another year to really kind of grasp the notion. Yeah. And it's really like it's you know it's the Carol Dwick like growth mindset yeah. notion, but it. You know, it's this idea sort of of being the best version of yourself. And if if that is ultimately what you reach, yeah. then based on potential, based on work, mm-hmm. based on skills, mm-hmm. that most likely will equate yeah. to greatness. And yeah. that's ultimately like you can talk about numbers, but greatness, you know, sort of is defined by great numbers. And those, yeah. will, those will sort of take care of themselves. Yeah. Well, that's actually what I wanted to ask you, because if you look at your... You talk about numbers. If you look at your numbers throughout your your years, like every year you've gotten better. What was like, my question is, what was your mindset going through all of these different, like especially early on in your career? Well, it's interesting because the mindset has changed. Mm -hmm. So initially, like I just said, like I thought, I didn't think it was gonna be easy Mm -hmm. and I didn't think I was gonna be a superstar. Mm -hmm. Let me just say that right away. But I thought I would be a productive player right away. Um, That's my. that's that Duke arrogance. Though. Yeah, exactly. It is the Duke arrogance. Yeah, it's two-time national player of the year. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I can get a joke in. All right. No, but then like my third year, for example, was really like the first year that I played. Yeah. And that year I was like trying to survive. Like yeah. I was literally like, I might not be in the league, you know, 18 months from now. Yeah. Um, and then each year, I I think what I've tried to do is like, Number one, work, mm. and number two, work smarter. Mm. And um, as the opportunities have presented themselves, i.e., you know, having a larger role my seventh year mm. um, in Orlando, mm. and then my eighth year becoming a full-time starter for the first time, mm. and then last year being in a tremendous situation. Like I've always felt like you have to adapt year to year, but like if you work and then you you get older and you learn to work smarter. You know, when the, th- those opportunities sort of present themselves, like you're, you're able to sort of take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I hope that you do not have the same <laughs> career arc that I have. I mean, y- you have like superstar potential. So I think for me, my mindset, you know, at, at probably like in that third year, I just sort of had the mindset, like, I want to maximize the best version of me. Like, how do I become the best version of me? Mm. And it's still, I mean, look, that was my mindset my third year, and it took to like my ninth or tenth year mm. to get there. Mm. It's, uh, it's a slow process, man. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Mo. Produced in one of the world's longest-running distilleries, Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka. Crafted by a collective of master distillers, Belvedere is made with non-GMO Polish rye, pure water, and no additives. 
Recognized for quality, Belvedere was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Belvedere's unmatched quality reminds me of one of the greatest teams in the history of the NBA, the 1982-83 Philadelphia 76ers, featuring legends of the game like Dr. J, Moses Malone, and Maurice Cheeks, just to name a few. The 76ers won the championship that year in absolutely dominating fashion. Over the course of their storied history, the 76ers have always played a brand of basketball of unparalleled quality, just like Belvedere Vodka. Enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka today. Remember to always drink responsibly and trust the process. Let's talk about Spartan. With over 60 races around the country, it's easy to find one to commit to as long as you leave your excuses behind. Spartan is an obstacle course racing company with races for every athletic ability and skill level. Starting with the 3-plus mile, 20-plus obstacle sprint, all the way to the 12-plus mile, 30-plus obstacle beast, any racer can find what's right for them. You work hard, you push yourself through the weekday grind with grit, discipline, and determination. Bring that same grit and determination to a Spartan race near you. Let it propel you through hills, climbs, and carries. Will it be easy? No. Will it be worth it? Absolutely. Sign up for the best weekend meeting of your life and race alongside fellow Spartans like Randy Moss. Excuses don't live here. Find your Spartan race today. Visit spartan.com slash JJ for an exclusive offer to find a race near you and view training and nutrition tips. All right, back to my conversation with Mo Bamba. What would happen if things didn't happen quickly for you? Like, how would you react to that? Like, what is your... Yeah. Like, I, always, I wasn't always the sure thing for basketball. Like, I always had to work for, for what, I, what, I, what I've always got. Um, and there's been times where I played, where I worked out and played and haven't seen, like, things translate right away. But, you know, patience is one of the biggest things that I've, I've learned as early as, as not even high school, middle school. Um, being able to leave the house at the age of 13, 14 years old and sort of experience things on your own, like, you, you realize that, like, not a lot of things change overnight. A lot of things, not a lot of things may change over a year, but you just got to yeah. stick to it and just, you know, find your regimen and just believe in your work. You, you mentioned working, not only working hard, but working smart, but you want to do both of those, but at the same time, you want to believe in what you, what you work on. And that can honestly, and I'll say this because I've experienced it, and I watch a lot of players in the NBA mm. who the work is not the problem. Yeah. Um, like I, like, like Nick Stauskas that yeah. is the best example. Like mm. that guy is a gym, like the definition of a gym rat. Yeah. He works his butt off. He gets his shots up. He takes care of his body. Yeah. He believes in his game. And sometimes it's just about being in the right situation. Yeah. I think Nick is an NBA player, yeah. is a rotational NBA player, maybe mm. a starter someday. I don't know. I don't want to ever put a cap on a guy. Mm-hmm. But like that's an example of like, like it's not just about the work. It's some some of it is like being in just being in the right situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, which sometimes is out of your control. Yeah. Um, you talked a little bit about, you know, sort of being a, I guess a late a late bloomer, a late riser in in high school rankings. I, I don't oh, know yeah. your whole sort yeah. of high school experience. Yeah. But I'm curious about, you know, being. Uh, one of the probably one of the poster childs in your class for this like one and done era. Yeah. And you know I was the last draft. My draft was the first draft. I should say the first draft mm. where no high school players could come out. Mm. What was your experience? I'm using air quotes here. What was your experience <laughs> in amateurism? 
Um, it was unique because I wasn't like, like I mentioned, I always wasn't this sure thing for basketball. Like when I moved out of New York to go to New Hampshire, that was purely an academically driven like decision. It was it was for school. Um, it was a school, a small school, all boys, two hundred. I think my grade year was two hundred and thirty boys, all boys, middle of nowhere, no phones. Food was not the greatest. And, you know, I just wanted a different scenario. I wanted something something new. I wanted a breath of fresh air. And um, it, that was just so I can be a better student, so I can push myself. And then I think my ninth grade year, I think I grew from, like, 6'5 to about 6'7. And that's when, like, I was like, oh, maybe I can do something with this basketball. And I went to a new AAU team that was more competitive. And kind of that we that national like spotlight was was there and that was just a matter of just like what do you do with it now and i'd say it wasn't until my 10th grade year that's when i really started to to come on a scene as this you know this national name because i graduated from cardigan i ended up going to westtown school where it, it was an academically driven it, it wasn't as much academically driven decision because mm-hmm. i knew the basketball was played a national schedule there, but it was uh, it was the first time in my life where I was like, I'm, I'm really gonna give this basketball thing like like a shot. And um, I went to West Town, and I remember playing in uh, the Bullets tournament, which was like a I wouldn't say a national, it was more of like a regional thing, but it was like East Coast teams, and we played well. And we ended up winning. And I remember a guy who goes by the name of Evan Daniels. He gave me like my first like interview or whatever, and. After that, it was like I got like a few schools calling in and kind of just burst out into the to national scene. But as far as amateurism and college, um, honestly, I had no problem with it. I, I enjoyed my time in college. Um, obviously, one big difference from college to now, as far as amateurism be, and, and being a professional, is the people you meet. You know, because there's a lot of people you like technically can't meet. <laughs> when you're in college and it's just like while I was yeah. in college I was just like all right I, like there's a, there'll be a different time to meet that guy right um but now it's just like you're meeting the who's who's of the world and you're realizing that this kid from Harlem has a lot of things in common with this Fortune 500 CEO sure. and it's sure. just like you're you the 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 networking aspect of it is just it's just awesome it's amazing the opportunities the doors that have opened the people that the interesting people that you can meet because of basketball that was honestly the most interesting part of pre-draft for me was the meeting the new people yeah would you have gone if you were allowed to would you have gone to the nba entered the nba draft out of high school i I got this question about three or four times and honestly didn't know how to answer it but I think it was very situational. Um, coming out of high school, there was definitely a lot of things I needed to work on, and I think college did a did a great job of just poking on that, poking at that, and just you know sharpening, sharpening the different tools. But um, if you think about like the development of the NBA and how like like you mentioned, like I mentioned earlier that I learned how to become a professional during pre-draft like imagine if I learned that a whole year before right. and I think you know my right. I, I think I would have been in a, a, a completely different I would have been two years in and I would have been a completely different player a lot the last time I went on Bill Simmons mm-hmm. podcast at the very end of like an hour and 15 minute session I went on a little bit of a rant mm. about this mm. but I, I really believe there's 
way more value as as the individual, as 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 a, as a player, as yeah. a potential professional athlete, yeah. in at in getting the proper training, the proper nutrition, the yeah. pro- proper proper medical care yeah. at 17 or 18, yeah. and spending a year in some sort of farm system, the yeah. G League, whatever yeah. it may be, uh, than than going to college and playing for a year. Yeah. Um, Coach K used to always talk about sort of unpacking your bags mm. when, he, when he would talk about, when he would bring in sort of high-level recruits, mm. guys that maybe were only going to stay a year or two. Mm. Um, did you feel like you unpacked your bags in Austin? I had or did to, you have one foot, out, one foot out the door? No. So when I first came in, the biggest thing I regret about college is not committing earlier. Okay. And like I, I say that and I'm not trying to be cheesy and I'm not trying to be trying to steal the hearts of people down in Austin, but I wish I committed down there earlier simply so I can start the clock and start sure. getting things going. Um, but one thing that I took pride on doing as soon as I got down there, cause I got down there a little late cause I had to graduate and finish high school was just building those relationships. Like everyone knew in the back of their mind that I was going to be out of the door in a year, but I tried to like convince my teammates that listen, like, I, uh, I was like, I'm, the, the now is more important than, sure. the, than the later. And uh, I really care about this university. I wouldn't be here wasting anyone's time if I, if I wasn't. And I think after about you know a couple of weeks, guys started to realize, he was like, man, Mo's, Mo's one of us. And I remember um, Snoop, current Roach, he, um, I think someone asked him about the NBA or something like that. And uh, it was some reporter after a game, and he was like, them. He like looked at him. He was like the NBA. Like, why would I be worried about the? Why would I have any comments or be worried about the NBA when Mo hasn't said a thing about the NBA since he's gotten here? Right. And I think that's really that really radiated to all my teammates, right. and you know, we all started to to care a little bit more. I'm sure that was important for for you to hear as well that your teammates noticed that you were sort of fully engaged in in the now and yeah. the present. Did you at any point in time in your time in Austin have Torchy's tacos? Uh, <laughs> I actually did not enjoy Torchies that much. That much. It right, was thank okay. you it was for okay. joining this week's episode <laughs> of the JJ Reddick podcast. <laughs> Our time with Mo is over. How did you not? How did you, that doesn't even make sense. It was it was okay. We used to get. It's it. like the Jason Sudeikis comment. Oh, the American flag is overrated. <laughs> what? Was, we used to get Torchies tacos. We used to get Torchies like um, catered to us. Oh, okay. So okay. it wasn't the same. That was it. The wasn't only, as fresh. Yeah, it okay. wasn't. It wasn't as fresh. But next time I go down to Austin, oh, I will go down and try some Torchies. Just I just Torchies tacos. Um, L. A. Great taco scene. Yeah. Austin, incredible taco scene. Uh, New York have not found it yet. No, you got any, any wrecks? I know it's out yeah, there. It's, it's I know there. it's out there. It's but there. Any wrecks? Please hit me up on Twitter. I need a couple <laughs> good taco places on the East Coast. And I, I maybe have already ranted about this, but yeah. can we please get breakfast taco culture <laughs> in New York City? Like it's kind of odd that we don't. I have, have yeah. breakfast tacos at my house every morning. It's scrambled eggs, it's bacon or sausage. <laughs> I throw a little cheese on there, some avocado and some hot sauce. And I, I definitely grill and toast my uh, flour tortillas. But like, you can't get that at, at any place in, in, in New York City. I don't yeah. get it. Well, New York has such like a wide like range of different foods. Like 
one thing that drove me crazy in Austin, I remember like trying to like, I remember driving around endless like hours and wa- like wasting time with my actual wife trying to find a good Chinese food restaurant <laughs> in Texas. And it's just, just non-existent. Like it just wasn't the case. And then we tried the same thing in LA when I lived there for about three months and it was just like, couldn't find it. And it couldn't was just, find good Chinese food. I couldn't find good Chinese food in LA. Wow. But, wow. and you can't find good barbecue. In LA. In LA. Yeah, I, I don't dispute that. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like everywhere has their little like, you know, it's missing something. It's, I thought New York was pretty well-rounded though. No breakfast tacos. Well, yeah, actually, <laughs> I've, there's a taco place uh, that opened uh, around the corner from my apartment. Literally, I probably walked 70 feet, take a right, walk mm-hmm. another 40 feet. <laughs> and it was open last, I was starving last night. Yeah. And I was open last night at like 10, 15. And I went over there and it just, it, um, it disappointed. Yeah. I was disappointed. Um, On behalf of New York, I'm sorry. All right. Well, next time you're in Austin, you're gonna get you're gonna go to an actual Torchy's Tacos. Yes. Not catered, where they drive it over and you eat it 30 minutes later. <laughs> and you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get the, the the pork taco, the brisket taco, the the trailer trash taco, the fried chicken with the trailer trash. Did yeah, you just hear what you just <laughs> fried chicken chop taco? And they put the queso in the taco, and then you're also gonna get the queso. All right. Okay. All yeah. right. You said earlier that uh, your your reason for leaving Harlem mm-hmm. and going to boarding yeah, school yeah. was was academic. Yeah, you may not know the answer to this, mm-hmm. but I'm very curious to ask someone who grew up in New York City mm-hmm. was a top ten pick. You may not even know this, but mm-hmm. you are the highest draft pick for a New York City kid mm-hmm. since Lamar Odom. You're the first top ten pick mm-hmm. for a New York City kid since Kemba Walker in 2011. It's been nearly 20 years since someone was drafted in the top six that was a New York City kid. When I was growing up, New York City hoops was like the mecca. It was Kenny Anderson, Stephon Marbury, um, Jesus Shuttlesworth. Wait, that was a movie. That was a movie. movie. (laughs) (laughs) But what, like, in your opinion, is is just all the kids, is is the talent less or are all the kids just going to private schools and boarding schools? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that as well, Um, but Cole Anthony is about to ruin all of my accolades as far as all of that because that kid is the goods. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You guys will see. Time will tell. But... um, I think it's more of a, a, a thing of a lot of guys, yes, a lot of guys are going to different boarding schools because they get that national exposure. But at the same time, like, I was just talking to this kid who, who, who's a rapper about just our block. Um, and I was just saying, like, my block, my area in New York where I'm from, just that small, like, percentage of New York is so talented, but no one really, like, does anything with that talent. And I think what... What it what it's become more of a, a tale of was the amount of structure you have around it so you can maximize that talent. Because the talent is there. It's just a matter of just like, you know, who's there to sort of, you know, help you, you know, not fall into the different pitfalls that a New York City Harlem kid, you know, unfortunately falls into. So you're saying if there there isn't the the sort of Structure, structure and resources available yeah. to keep kids that stay in New York on the straight and narrow. Yeah, and it's a lot of it is on is on the kid, is on the mindset. You yeah. know, there's, there's this is saying like you can take the kid out the hood, but you can't take the hood out of the kid. 
and it's it's true. I, like I use that. I use a different. <laughs> I use a different. You know, it's I, something about you can't take the South. The kid out of the South. That I can't remember. I mean, it's it's true, but like what makes like those kids who get out so special is 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 the rarity and how many actually make it out. There was one question on here mm-hmm. that I actually thought about today, mm. and it was uh, the the most frequent reason why vets roll their eyes at rookies oh yes which leads to a larger question of like your expectations about being in the nba not stuff on the court and that's relationships lifestyle Mm. travel all the resources all the all the stuff that comes with being a pro Mm. And I'm curious if you have, if you have like concerns, you know, just like specific concerns that you have as, as an individual about what this next step in your career is. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't even say it's a concern because I know what I'm signing up for. And this is something that I wanted for most of my life. But one thing that kind of, it's just like, that's going to be a grind. And I know it's going to be a grind is the 82 games. Like you have to be in like, I, I was I was at these this run, um, the Black Ops run is really popular. A lot of pros show up to it. This is the hold on. I'm gonna interrupt you. Yeah. This is the um, the runs that are at at the Lifestyle Gym yeah. on 42nd. Yeah. Um, that constantly show up on House of Highlights. Shout out Omar, and shout out Chris Brickley. So yeah, I was at <laughs> I was at um I was at the runs, and there's a lot of pros just poking their heads through there, and. I kept picking their brains about like I was talking to D'Angelo Russell and I was like, "What did you like your rookie season? Like, what was that like? What did what were your pitfalls?" And he was like, "Man, I played with Kobe. <laughs> like, I don't think a lot of people can say that yeah. as a rookie." And um, and but he like he went on to say like a lot of different stuff. But one thing like that I've heard before from other people, but that he kind of reiterated was the 82 games grind. Like we were watching, we were watching someone shoot. Like shooting a lot of shots. Um, he was like, man, I don't know if that kid is going to want to, you know, shoot that many shots for a span of 82 games. And because, you know, you, you make some, but you miss you miss a lot. And um, he was just the grind of 82 games is the I one mean, it's thing it's essentially that three concerns. college seasons. Yeah. It's, it's basically three college seasons. Yeah. The only thing is you don't get four or five days in between games. Mm. Um, this is what I was saying earlier about having – like a structure in place and yeah. you probably won't figure it out your rookie yeah. year and that's fine. But the most important thing is that you have some routine. Yeah. And I can remember my rookie year, I was living alone in Florida and mm-hmm. I would like forget to eat or I wouldn't have time to eat before the game. And I'd have like a, a foot long meatball sub from Subway in the <laughs> arena, like 45 minutes before the game. <laughs> like that's not going to improve my performance. <laughs> Come on, that's terrible. It works for JoJo. He's eating like a <sighs> double cheeseburger. <laughs> we have so much food available to us for this. Um, and it, it, so like that, that, that to me is the biggest thing. Like the grind, the grind is the is the biggest adjustment. Mm. And the other thing, and I, I wish I had great vets. Mm. I wish, looking back, that I had ask them more questions, but I think that's probably most young people who are either like myself, insecure mm. or scared or like myself, 
thought they already knew everything. Now, how do you ask questions without being annoying? Um, it's a great, that's actually a great question. Yeah. So this year, like Justin Anderson, mm -hmm. he probably asked me 375 questions. <laughs> and most of them were great questions. And yeah. I, was ha I was like actually happy to answer them. Yeah. And as the season progressed and like, you know, Justin would ask me questions, I remember thinking to myself like, there's a couple guys on the team that like haven't asked me a question all season. Mm. I'm like, did I waste that opportunity? Mm. You know what I mean? Like there, there's an opportunity there. Um, you know, like DJ's a, DJ's a Texas guy. Like you, you should, yeah. you should pick his brain. Yeah. You know, like Vooch who, you know, is your position. Like you should pick his brain. Like mm. those are the, those are the sort of the, the, the guys off the top of my head on your team where, you know, you just, just ask them stuff. Mm. Um, you know, so that's, that, that, that to me was like, was like really eye opening that I didn't, maybe, maybe you guys don't like me. I don't know. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I've been in this long enough to, to provide at least some insight to this sort of thing. Yeah. I'm going to give you the answer to that question though, yeah. that, you, that, that was emailed over to me about um, what causes vets to roll their eyes at rookies the mm -hmm. most mm -hmm. and that is actually a very easy one to answer yeah. and that is uh being disrespectful mm. and the easiest way to describe being disrespectful mm. is as a rookie being uh late or even like showing up like 20 minutes before shoot around or mm. 20 minutes before practice mm. uh being the first one out of the gym mm. that's a no-no mm. um here's another one like disrespecting the trainers. Mm. You see, everybody in an organization has a job and a role and everybody's time is valuable and mm -hmm. you have to understand that you have to respect everyone else's time. And mm -hmm. so, you know, my biggest piece of advice to you is like, take care of your body first, mm -hmm. get your work on the court, but make sure you always, always, always leave enough time to take care of your body. Mm. That's, the, that's probably the biggest thing. Mm. I do want to ask you though um, <clears throat> about this is, maybe I'm getting old, although I, I probably am guilty. Chelsea did record uh, a few workout videos of me when I was in Austin and she posted them on my Instagram, or I posted them on my Instagram. So I, I did do it once or twice, I'll admit to that. I'm not a saint. But this whole subculture that exists now in the NBA of posting uh, workout videos, mm -hmm. Um, not, not even like now it's not even workout videos. It's like highly produced workout videos with like songs in the background and like slow-mo and like guys like with their shirts off and sweat dripping off their chest. I, I just, can you explain it to me? Is this, am I, is this, I'm just a different generation? Like what is, what is going on here? Well, there's, there's two ways you can go about it. This is just the book of Mo. This is how I think people uh this is how i think there is it's two ways of going about it there's two types of people there's a person who's kind of like an attention junkie who like posts those videos themselves and it's just like them just in the gym like just trying to show off that they're in a gym like we get it like you're in a gym you're working you're supposed to be working i'm happy for you and then there's another type of person who doesn't post the video themselves but like the people who they're working with because mm. you got to get out and we we live in a day and age where like you know you want to you want the exposure and you want to be known as like you know the best guy for something and you want to produce something that's eye catchy and you want to get clients 
And, um, you know, when some, when you're not posting it, but someone else is posting it of you, then okay. I guess that's fair game. I, I, I partially agree on the second part of it, okay? Because yeah. I do think, and I said this on the mailbag pod, like yeah. for a lot of these workout guys that are posting videos where the player's not posting it themselves, mm-hmm. I get that part mm-hmm. of it. And the guys are promoting their business, yeah. right? Um, but don't you, I, I don't know. To me, like what, they're only, uh, they're training NBA players. Yeah. I think NBA players all talk to each other. Yeah. Like whatever happened to word of mouth? Yeah, but seeing is believing. Like okay, so my argument to that is yeah. that the first thing you said, the yeah. attention grabbers, the whatever, yeah. look at me, people. Yeah, they're saying, well, I'm not posting the video, but I know if I go and train with this guy, he's yeah. going to post the video. Well, that's not and always. Then, yeah. And then I'm not guilty of posting the video. <laughs> yeah, well, but, that's not always the case. That's not always the case. Like oftentimes, like you get some guys like. I remember at first I thought it was the weirdest thing. Like I would never want to like have someone else watching my moves and seeing what I'm working on. It's just like yeah. I'm, I'm gonna use these moves against you. I don't want you to be like studying. Because if say if somebody that you know the guy that I'm competing against that I've been watching for a while, like say he's he's working on his up and unders, his his you know sure. shuffle step up and unders or whatever. Like I'm going like last year in the Black Ops, Ennis Cantor was going up against uh, Nick Richards. And I wasn't I wasn't in the city. I wasn't able to go up against um to go to those those uh those different uh, runs, but I'm watching like Ennis like he 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 kept doing like the same move like he kept getting getting Nick Nick Richards who goes to Kentucky to get off his feet and jump, and he literally like I just watched that and I was just like all right this is the move that he's gonna go to and like now I know like what's now I know what to expect like I don't I don't want other people to do that to study my game like I'm studying their games and. It's, it's a little, it was a little alarming for me at first, but after a while, it's one, it turns into, I want to see, I kind of want to see, I kind of want to have it on film to see what I'm working on and see how I look, see if it looks game, game speed. Um, and then two, I guess is just helping out the, the brand that you're working with. All right. I like that. Hmm? I do like that. <laughs> I would say though, <laughs> uh, how do I word this nicely? Um, in theory, mm-hmm. in theory, couldn't I um, post a video, highly produced or not, mm. of me uh, working out in a gym? Highly produced. And I could do that over the course of, say, three months during the summer. And I could do that once every, like, seven to ten days. Yeah. And then you're posting it yourself. Yeah. Or someone's posting it for me, but these videos are going out once every seven to ten days strategically. And and everybody's like, "Wow, that guy's working hard this summer. Well, He's no, really no, no. good." Well, no. Meanwhile, I'm in Mykonos <laughs> at a club. You don't think that happens? It probably I know does. It, happens. it probably. It I'm probably, not naming names, but I know it. <laughs> it probably. It probably does. It honestly probably does. Um, <laughs> I don't know anyone who does that. So <laughs> my point is this: like, I don't. I like. I so all those guys that post videos like yeah. the, the trainers like i respect the hustle man yeah. like I, I respect those guys are working their butts off to build a brand to build yeah. a business yeah. i respect that i don't have a problem with that mm. i guess my problem more is on the player side mm. and for one what you're saying like mm. you're I, you're stealing my secrets yeah number two it, it's it's self-indulgent and attention grabbing yeah and number three is what you said at the very beginning and that's just 
this is what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Like, why? Like, this is what I love. Like, I don't, I don't know. Do, do you think that maybe, I don't know. Do you think that maybe fans appreciate it though? Like, yeah, that's like, what, that's exactly a, there's what There's an element of say. that. Well, yeah. So I, um, I followed De'Aaron Fox on, uh, on Instagram and he was saying like one of his, it, it turned into a criticism how he doesn't post workout videos because everyone does it. And he was like, I remember him posting a story and he was like, um, I guess I got to post a workout video to show you guys that I've been working in the off season, even though summer league wasn't a clear indication of it. Yeah. And I was just like, how twisted is that? Yeah. I guess to, here's another thing I would say in defense of, in defense of X player, the mm. X, the, the, the X, Y, or Z player. Mm. If you're a young guy and mm. you want to have a reputation as being a hard worker, mm -hmm. that does not happen overnight. That literally takes At all. years yeah. to build a great reputation in this league. Yeah. And, you know, in, in a young player's mind, maybe, maybe a, a shortcut to building a reputation is to just have a lot of highly produced <laughs> videos out mm. on the web. Mm. It's eye-catchy. I don't know what to say, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna explore this with every guest from now on. It's just, <laughs> it's just so fascinating. Everyone's everyone's gonna feel differently about it, but I can tell you, like initially, I was like a little bothered by it. I'd just be like, I don't, I don't really necessarily want to post these videos. But after a while, when you get to know these guys who you're working out with, it's like this is my way of showing my support to them. I agree. I, I get that completely. Uh, Mo, you've been a great guest. Thanks for uh, doing the pod. And um, I'll keep you updated on the, uh, the woman in the backseat. Yep. Thank All you. Right. Thank you very much. <laughs> the woman in the backseat. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the JJ Reddick podcast. As always, I really appreciate you guys listening. Please hit me up on Twitter at JJ Reddick with any questions or comments. I asked for some questions and comments on the pod this week please feel free to reach out. I'll try to get back to you with any answers and uh, feedback. And if anyone can track down the driver, I would really appreciate it. Until next time, signing out. <laughs>